creative working title. We're talking creativity and media with Jack and Jeff, the one-two punch of the media department of Digital Surgeons. Say hello, boys. Hello. Hello. Jack, I'll let you cover a lot of the beginning since uh, you'll be leaving us in a few minutes. I want to get, get the most of your airtime out okay. here. Because you admitted that even though there's like 16, 17, 18 episodes or something like that, you've not listened to a single one, which means you're a bad colleague, you're a bad employee, and you're a bad friend. He's talking to Jack, not me, for those who aren't in the room. Well, that's I have, weird. I was looking right at you. I'm a zero-time listener, <laughs> one-time appear. Well, I'll tell you the, the gist. One day, I had a really – it was like a really long meeting. It was like a four-hour meeting, and it got canceled. And I was like, huh, I have four hours open. That never happens. So I just started pulling people in, and I didn't have a plan. And I still don't have a plan, but just talk about creativity. That ultimately started with the creative team. It expanded out to other departments and episodes just kept kept coming. Had some fun with it, but I think we recorded 10 in the first day. And then we slowly distributed them out over the months. And then we recorded a bunch more. And then we took like a year and a half off because we just all got distracted and started doing other stuff. But for once, there's actually other people in the office. So, And what better way to kick it back off with jack and jeff well it's also perfect though because we're talking creativity and you two have actually reached out in an effort to get more involved with creativity because you admit that media is not that important i wouldn't say say not that important it's the only important thing i would say in in my time in media there is a clear friction between creativity and media execution because in traditional media agencies they're not controlled under one roof so you have a creative agency saying our creative's awesome, you're not executing it right. And then we see the performance and we see, no, you know, your media is not in the right channel, or is in the right channels. The creative is just not all that special. So uh, there's a Nielsen report that came out probably two years ago. It says sales lift attributed to three things. 49% of it was creative and content. 35% was media execution, the channels you run on, the platforms you run on, and how you run that media. And then the last 15 or 16% is just the brand, the price, et cetera. So to have 84% of that under one roof, I think is a, a real strong value opportunity for myself to be here. And yeah, I, I think, you know, the two of them tie in more than one would think. So it's really surprising to me how many places are going to, you know, outsource one versus the other when really they're, they're a relationship that needs to be tied together. And I, I appreciate that you all started that conversation. And then today in a conference room, mapping out the story structure of ads for one of our clients to collaborate with the content creative team. That's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, I think that's where a lot of the fun is going to lie and the inc- excitement on myself and Jackson as we continue to shape this department is, you know, how do we differentiate ourselves? For media, you can do a lot of things right, but there's a finite of executions out there. Content and creative, I feel like, is limitless. It's infinite. And that's where we really think we can win is, is the tie between those two, you know. There's going to be people that's always has cutting edge technology, but you look at a lot of media offerings. They're not that different at the end of the day. They're, they're definitely smart people who know what they're doing and some people who are just doing the bare minimum. Um, but, you know, I think where there's no ceiling is, is the creative side. You know, how do we get that slick creative to get to the right people, get that earned traction, get that organic traction and really push brands forward? So we have limited time. I want to hear from Jack. I also don't want this to sound like an ad. This should be entertaining, not Jeff is great on podcasts. He's great, he but I want to hear from amazing. you. And then so don't make it sound like an ad. Feel free to make fun of Jeff or yeah, other no, people. I, just all around be, be humorous. Yeah, no. I'd, uh... And I'm leaving that part in, by the way. That's not a <laughs> Oh, no, we're keeping it in. Yeah, yeah. You, can no. give, you can give visuals to people we don't who can't pull out. see me, whatever yeah. you want to do. Yeah, no, I, I, I like what Jeff's saying. Um, 
you know, to comment on the the friction, I think the scary thing for media when it comes to creative is that you're getting direct feedback that you can't debate. You know, you're you're going to get performance back, and I think that's where you have to be ready to to reinvent. And that's the other scary part. So not only are you getting feedback that is not subjective, you know, it's not. Um, you know, it's not someone giving you feedback. That's just their opinion. Often with media, you're getting direct feedback from your clients on this isn't performing well. So it can be a great piece, but it just isn't hitting right. And to to go back and say, okay, how can we reiterate basically the same message in a new way? I think that can be kind of exhausting for a lot of creative people. And that that's and I think that's really the biggest challenge that a lot of places have. And that's why sometimes media and creative don't always get along because media is constantly seeking. What are we doing next? You know, how can we do this again? You have to give us more. And creative is more, you know, especially when it can, comes to you know branding. You know, it, it's kind of almost like, well, we've done it already. We, we know what our voice is. We know what, what you know, message we want to to deliver um, and we know how we want to say it but media is kind of constantly asking for more. And I think that's definitely a challenge. And I think that's where maybe some of the rub starts to starts to develop. You are always asking for more. I'm always, at, yeah, it's never, never ending. Though I think would be valuable for whoever does listen to this. You did teach me something this morning around what is next in paid media, specifically through social media. So I think that's valuable because I certainly didn't hear that in all the industry trades. So mm-hmm. can you explain that? Are you talking about the iOS update? Yeah. Yeah, so we're... Uh, Apple's definitely, you know, enforcing some changes for what Facebook is used to. We're not going to have as much data passed back to the Facebook app. And that means that we might be relying on audiences from Facebook that are a little bit less uh, specific, a little bit less relevant um, to certain interests. So it's definitely going to be, you know, we might see some, the audiences that we have on Facebook that we're used to, to working well and performing well and finding people that are relevant, we might see those deteriorate just a little bit as people are opting out and not sharing as much data as they were uh, with Facebook. So it's definitely going to be a challenge is that, and, uh, you know, just the overall targeting is going to be a little bit less specific to, to people who use iPhones. And obviously there's a lot of people who use iPhones out there. I, I do like that they're cutting back the attribution window though from 28 days to seven days just because you know there's going to be a lot of false credit there like Mm -hmm. sure we could have served someone an ad on facebook and it might be harder for us to go back to client and say okay return ad spends a little bit lower but how genuine were we in that process you know we were a touch point but we have no real understanding of how much that really impacted that and facebook of course is going to try to take as much credit as possible yeah they will always take outside of like you know looking for a home loan or purchases over like three thousand dollars a piece purchase process usually doesn't take four weeks for somebody and really what facebook and instagram is great at is getting those impulse buys you know i think seven days is fine 14 probably would have been ideal but 28 at that point i think there's a fair argument that you're taking credit for something you really didn't attribute to all the people who listen to this because it has creative in the title have stopped listening at this point um, but Jack, because we only have a few minutes before you have to take off, a question I always ask everyone on this is, what is creativity? What is creativity? That is far too, you shouldn't have asked me that question. I don't have enough time for that. Well, you got I have a timer set, you have four minutes. I would say creativity is inventing, and, inve- and that can be anything. It can be inventing a new way to say something, it can be inventing a new way to do something, it can be inventing you know, a new way to think about something, but I would say it's, it's, it's that, it's that process of inventing which i guess is just a synonym for creation so i've cheated but that's that's what i would say it is it's it's constantly reinventing and inventing how do you apply 
that invention to media. That's, I mean, that's what it all, it's all about. It's taking the information that you're getting. You know, media, digital media in particular, is in such an advantage from if you look at the the history of advertising. Um, you know, most of advertising going back to you know radio, television, newspapers, it's guesswork. You're hoping that an audience, based on the content that whatever platform you know you're leveraging is producing, you're hoping that the audience is relevant. But we know people are are more complex than that. We know that. You know, you might have a 17-year-old dude with the same interest as a 44-year-old woman, and they might, you know, one might be from a city, one might be from a small town. And, you know, historically, you'd never lump those people together, but, you know, based on their lifestyle, based on the products that they consume, based on everything they do, they, they might actually be more similar than you would ever have, you know, previously considered. So when it comes to, you know, reinventing what we're doing with, with media um, and really how creativity is injected in that, we get constant feedback from these platforms now. We know exactly who these people are. We have ways to kind of tear down some of the walls that were up previously that were segmenting people, um, you know, based on assumptions. We, we can kind of drop those assumptions. And that's such an advantage that marketers are going to have, you know, moving forward. And it's only advancing. You know, obviously, we were just talking about Apple restricting some of the data. But there's, you know, there's always going to be an influx in the amount of data, the precision of the data that we have about people online. And that just enables us again to kind of tear down away some of those assumptions and we can really be objective what is working what you know what message is hitting with our audience and what is helping our you know our clients actually you know move their business forward through this creative messaging that we're delivering over media and i think it's just gonna you know we're gonna see that more and more i think we're gonna have less talk about demographics we're gonna have less talk about how people are, are segmented into your audience. I, I think that's all gonna honestly fade away because these platforms, the algorithms, they're gonna be able to understand us in a way that we don't even really have the ability to think about in real time because it is just a computer algorithm. It's taking all this data that you know, we're gonna have to figure out a way to ingest. And that's really where I think you know DS stands in a good position to, to win because we're not going and saying, hey, the data we have is different. The data we have is unique. Nobody really has that anymore. You know, We all have access to the same shit. So, the only thing that's really going to matter at the end of the day is how do you communicate to the people that you're able to reach and, you know, go from there. How do you tell the story of this product? Uh, and I think that's really, you know, where you have to start reinventing. You have to be creative. You have to, you know, reiterate the same message over and over again in ways that it's going to hit with people that, again, you might not know you're talking to. You know, if we lose a lookalike audience, I don't know how old they are. I don't know what gender they are. I don't know where they're from. I just know that they have, you know, these set of interests similar to other people who like the product. So I don't have to talk to somebody who I'm making a bunch of assumptions about. I just have to talk directly about the value of this product or the value of the service or the value of the company that, that we're looking to highlight. And I think that's a big advantage for a lot of brands. I think we're going to be able to clear away a lot of the clutter. We're not going to need you know, 50 different messages for one product, but we are going to need to, you know, we are going to, need to reinvent how we communicate it, not necessarily based on demographic assumptions that we make, but just based on how people absorb messages. Well, goddamn. Yeah, and, and quickly to spin that back on you, James, obviously a lot of what Jack mentioned was in terms of real-time understanding, insights, optimizations, both creatively and the media executions. Since myself and Jack both really entered the workforce when digital media was really booming, I mean, what was the fastest way to get creative feedback prior to digital media? Was it, was it focus groups? I know a lot of stuff you have to put in the environment for a while. What was kind of the feedback loop and what were the most trusted sources of feedback from a creative standpoint prior to this? Yeah, focus groups were a big part of it. And, and we are going to pause in a minute for that break because you got to go. So I'm going to give the short answer is a lot of feedback didn't come back. Focus groups were one thing, and that was generally prompted 
buy a client. They need it. They need that validation for them to make that decision. I have worked with focus groups where, and I've told people this and they're like, what? Where they asked, what results do you want? And we said, well, we want that one to win. They go, okay, great. Yeah, I think one of the last things I would say is that to, to kind of inject my own answer to Jeff's question, media and data are, are not feedback. They're, they're a stoplight. They're red, re- yellow, or green. Mm-hmm. You either, this is working, this is meh, meh, that's, or that's this not is not That's not overtly manipulated by a human, much like exactly. some focus it's, groups have dealt with It's that. not going to tell you why. Like, that's where creative, and, and again, I think that's why, you know, we have kind of taken up the path that we want to on media is – the why is where you have all the room to play. You know, nobody really knows why an ad will work. You can you can assume you can have subjective commentary on why things are working, but at the end of the day, again, the data is just the traffic light telling you yes, no, or maybe, and you need. <laughs> That's my. Uh... Is that you telling me to leave? Well, I said it because I also have to make a phone call. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so I'm gonna keep talking though. Yeah, you keep talking. I'm gonna step out. I'm gonna all make right. this phone call. Get keep the fuck going. out of here. But um... take over the podcast. It's our podcast now. This is Jack Lock that door. the rating on this podcast from PG to R. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that that's where I think, you know, where we really need, you know, people to, and, and really ourselves too, you know, we need to understand what we're asking of creative. I think that's something that a lot of places miss is they kind of put things out there and they don't necessarily know what they're, what they're asking their audience. They're, they're, you know, they're not looking for, I'm trying to think of an example, but I mean, I think to some extent you get that review loop through social commentary, Mm -hmm. at least. So you have some visibility into it. But you talk about OTT, more traditional programmatic channels, then then yeah, it still comes back to really understanding the creative and and people's thought processes, potentially back to focus groups. Um, But yeah, I mean, we do have some visibility through social commentary. But again, those people... Who knows how honest they're being? You know, there yeah, there are genuinely people out there who will just go and rip apart anything they see. Definitely. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. But to your point, you know, there are formulas you can follow. There are things you see that that have worked in the past. You can apply those to the best of your ability. But it doesn't, at the end of the day, guarantee success yeah. for the next client. Yeah, and I think that's what we both like about media. You know, is that you can you can always bring back performance to to business goals. And again, you you do get the feedback of is this working? Is this not working? And then you know, as long as you have somebody on the creative end of it all who you know is kind of with you and understanding the the data in the bigger picture. You know, not necessarily knowing what every little acronym or every little uh, you know, metric means or how it's, how it's measured, but just understanding, you know, again, that stoplight theory of like, is this good? Is this okay? Is this bad? You know, as long as the creative person can kind of understand that, as long as we can communicate that and they have a clear understanding of, well, this is the message I was going for. This is how I was trying to produce it. If they can go back to that, you know, reiterating, okay, I'll tweak this part of my process to deliver the message in a slightly different way. You know, that's where it all kind of comes together. I think that's why, you know, more and more places are going to be dependent on growing their media spend to grow their business because it really is the only way to deliver that message. Yeah, and I mean, the media side versus the creative side, we have the ability to be agile a little bit better. Like if something's not working, we can very quickly change direction and change route. Creatively, there's a a much deeper process involved. You know, usually there's a wave of creatives that'll come out. And if you need something done, you're not going to be able to get it done in a day. Very, you know, you can try templates and and potentially work that way. But if you want a true creative process, you're looking at something that's probably going to take, I don't want to speak on James' behalf, but I'm just going to throw a number out there, you know, at least like two to four weeks to get something new in market to test. As opposed, you know, if we really want to try out a new channel pending something where we need to get an IO signed, we can be up in a day's time. Yeah. 
Steve's here now. Hello, everyone. We're back. We're back. <laughs> so let's um let's just do a little recap. Yeah. So uh, we left it obviously talking about media. Um, the most recent piece we were just talking about the changes coming from iOS 14 on what it means for tracking, most notably on social platform advertising. Um, and then I actually spun it over to James, who left me with a bit of a cliffhanger because then we started talking through. Um, just how we make adjustments, how we make optimizations on the fly. And you can definitely speak to this as well, probably, but you know, we have a pretty constant feedback loop of what we're hearing and what we're getting, how things are performing. There's some sense of how we can get creative feedback, mainly through comments and reviews, but for the most part, it's still, you know, it's still a lot of assumptions being made. So on the creative side, we can talk about before media and after media, what was really the best way to garner feedback and like how long did that create a feedback loop for iteration really take? Yeah. It's interesting, right? The, the phrase that immediately comes to mind is change is the only constant. And where'd you hear that one? Uh, you know, I, I might've seen it written <laughs> on a wall somewhere. Um, but that that's huge. And it applies to so many areas. This obviously being one of them. And it's, it's tricky too, because it's not like there's a user guide for Instagram. It's not like they tell you, which is a little frustrating, mm -hmm. but then it becomes our duty to make sure that we're we're participating in that, right? That they're act, that we're actively using it, and and it's not theory; it's it's the actual experience. Well, it's funny because there probably is like an official user guideline to Instagram, but by no means would it ever help you succeed on the platform. <laughs> well, well, right, yeah. If you do this, this will no, no, no. Yeah, that's and your way to seventeen followers and sixteen are bots. Sure, right. No, I'm it, back. What are we talking about? We're we're just talking about how that you know these platforms are ever evolving. Social media is ever evolving, and you have to be actively engaged in using it to understand that, you know. The, the most recent one that I had encountered is that, you know, if you start blasting that copy and paste with hashtags, for example, they see you as a bot because that's what bots do. They just copy and paste. But if you copy and paste but then rearrange your hashtags, well, they can detect that, oh, maybe a human did that because it's not in the same exact order on all of your posts. And that apparently in stories, two to three hashtags is acceptable. Anything more than that, you're spamming someone. So it's these little things that someone just said, you know, I actually was listening on Clubhouse and there was a conversation about this and someone said that. And I'm like, all right, well, that sounds good. I, I assume that's probably pretty accurate. You know, you've, you have this title in your, your profile, so I'll take it for what it is. But it, it really does come down to trying that and seeing what results you get. What is Clubhouse? Because I've started to see it pop up. I've seen, obviously, you on it, this other guy follow. I've seen him pop up on it a little bit. I've also seen Chet Hanks. There was some controversy around Chet Hanks, uh, Tom Hanks' son, who speaks yeah. in a Jamaican accent from time to time. He was on Clubhouse, something stirred up. But So I've seen it's just like, I've seen like a grid of faces and like influencers on there. But like, is it just like an open chat room for a while? Like, what is the premise of Clubhouse? Yes. So if you remember, I might be dating myself. I'm definitely dating myself. AOL uh, chat rooms, right? Yeah. Back in the day, right? Mm -hmm. you, there would be a topic. People would join in and it was a free-for-all via chat. Same kind of thing, but it's audio. However, it's not a complete free-for-all. There is a bit of a, there's a moderator system, right? There's a hierarchy. So you have a group. You could title this group whatever you want. Anyone can start a group. Um, we could start a group about talking about social media, right? We all could be moderators. And then people would just join in because they would follow us. It's all based on who you follow, the, the rooms that you're exposed to. So you're encouraged to follow more people. Because the more people you follow, the more rooms that are going to become available to you. And depending upon what those people have selected as their interests, will determine those rooms that also become available to you. So it's it, it's a very different take than than previous social media where they want that engagement. 
They want it directly. And what's really cool and refreshing about this platform is that you get a, a very quick sense of whether or not someone's full of shit, right? You listen to someone and you go, wow, this person has a lot to say. For example, that person who was saying two to three hashtags on a story, all the things that they had said before that, I was like, this all sounds legit. Sounds like you know what you're talking about. So when that piece of information, that yeah, versus him just very clearly just blowing steam out of his ass or just talking to talk. So, so you have this level of moderator and then you have people that are invited to the stage as it's referenced to speak or participate and then you have audience members and at any point in time in an audience member if the moderator allows it you can raise your hand to say hey i've got something to say they invite you to the stage you say your piece and then they or you can remove yourself from the stage or you can just stay on the stage moderators control yep pretty much the whole and, and if like uh, an audience member wants to say something is that like they text it like they write a question through text or they you can like send a microphone over to them essentially no there's no chat at all there's no text and it's kind of frustrating because you almost want to instinctively do that no, so it's different from like, for example, uh, a Zoom call, right, where we're used to just conversing or seeing each other and then having a side chat. Nope, it's just you raise your hand and they let you in or they don't. Sell me on it because you described it well, but I got on it and I went into some rooms, listened, and my takeaway was I don't feel a real urge to join this conversation and I don't really care what anyone's saying. Big part of it was I I don't know who most of these people are. Mm -hmm. Even if they have a title, I still don't know them, and so they weren't interesting. And it's it's a live podcast to a certain sense that so you can join. But I listen to podcasts I know the people like. Most of the people who listen to this podcast either worked here, work here, or know us. Right? That's the vast majority. That's who tells me. I have no idea. Wait till we get my social footprint on this thing. Oh, <laughs> sky's the limit now. Well, Let's it's very go. popular in uh, in Europe. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. All yeah. Right. One of, those one of those trips you must have made. Maybe. Ireland <laughs> and Russia love this podcast. Really? Russia, it's also huh? the second most listened to area is Silicon Valley. Okay, cool. I don't know why. I don't know anyone who lives there. All right. Been there twice, so, you know, it's yeah. just the kind of the weight I carry. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's, but but sell me on Clubhouse. So, because I just don't care. I tried. Right. I go on there. I just, Are there I, any, I just like, sit there and I go to the so, rooms. I'm like, I don't really care about so this. So here's the thing this. I think is that you need to start following. My immediate suggestion would be follow more people. Follow more people that are not, don't just follow anyone, right? And that's the thing that is, is different, right? Because on Instagram, it's like follow for follow. Like I'll follow you. I just need that number count to look big. No, on Clubhouse, I only want to follow people that have some something to say that I think is interesting, again, based on their interest or if I know them, right? For example, photography, right? So I'm going to follow people that are that are interested in photography and then they're going to participate in photography groups. So what happens is I get a notification that says, hey, James is in a photography group. Do you want to join that conversation with him? Or James is speaking in a photographer's group. So if you're following people that are that are in areas that you enjoy, then you're now going to be welcomed to a group on a topic of something that interests you. Maybe it's, I don't know, sci-fi films. Or a big one that I see on there a ton is just cannabis. Cannabis everything. <laughs> like it's everywhere. So maybe it's based on the people that I follow, I'm sure. But also there are just general groups, like large groups where there's, you know, 4,000 people participating in that. And a lot of them are just passively listening. And you can do just that like a podcast. And you're, you are taking a chance, right? Yeah. If you don't know them, you're taking a chance. And then what's cool is that you have the ability to just Hop out, hop into another room if, again, someone seems to be full of shit. So I like it as a way to to just immediately speak 
or just directly speak. I don't, you know, I, I like conversing. It's you're fun. also, yeah, you're more of a community guy than I am. Yeah. Is, yeah. Are there any, like, big names on there right now? Because I see kind of, like, C-list and D-list people kind of blasting it out from a celebrity standpoint. I mean, are there any, like, big names you've seen getting behind Clubhouse, do speeches on Clubhouse? Gary V's on there. I haven't seen him do anything. Seems like a Gary V thing. Who, like, oh, absolutely. And who's the other guy? Ty something? He's another, he's the guy who just, he bought Radio Shack, Dress Barn, He's another big entrepreneur. But I listen to him, and he's full of shit. So I listen to that guy, and I was like, oh, what's this guy all about? And what he does is he runs a room where he is presenting. So you, you, there's a couple ways you can do it. He basically sets up a room. He's the only moderator, and there's you know 7,000 people in this room, and he's just basically talking. He's just presenting, right, almost like a lecture. Mm-hmm. And no one else chimes in. Sometimes he'll ask people for questions, but when he asks people for questions – what he does is, if, if I recall it correctly, is people will message him the question through Instagram so they don't even get to speak. He doesn't even allow them to speak. And I'm like, this guy's full of shit. And he says things. Someone will ask him a question, and he just gives this dance of an answer, this roundabout. I'm like, this is – I'm out, right? So now I'm never going to follow that guy because he clearly had nothing interesting for me to say. Yeah. When you say Ty, I think of the guy that used to do those uh... – home makeovers i forget his name but uh, that show was so popular move that bus yeah move that bus oh extreme makeover home edition yes oh he was such a cool guy ty pennington Pennington. or paddington no that's paddington bear i think it was ty pennington you're right he had the frosted tips the puka shells he had the whole look he was so cool i think it was early thousands in a nutshell i could see you doing the uh, frosted tips and puka hey if you did a video podcast maybe i'll do it live (laughs) We'll do a makeover of you describing uh, the makeover uh, hosts. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's cool. It's it's worth exploring a little bit more. I, I, I enjoy it. I've been doing weekly weekly gatherings of people. I, I do the Tuesday tips thing, right? So I get people to just chime in there, and we just talk about lighting. We just nerd out on lighting. So it's it's just a fun way to – I don't know. I, I guess it's just – it's new and it's fresh. Because it's not like traditional social media. The biggest thing is that you sift through the bullshit, right? Th- mm-hmm. These these people that are just pretty and attractive, that look good on Instagram with the right angles, don't hold any weight in yeah. this format. And you see anything enough, you just like become blind to it. Like that's kind of what happened with advertising on a lot of like programmatic sites. Like you know where the ads go, you don't pay attention to them, and that's like what Instagram is becoming. Everyone's doing the same thing. If you just got to clean up your feed, like you you go to the Discover page and you just it's just mind-numbing at some to some extent. But so speaking of social media, obviously I'm, I'm very much in the media. You have a really strong following base. I'll talk to Instagram in this specific example. But was there like a point where, you know, you're putting all this content out, you're not breaking through, like you're, whatever many followers, and then is it just sticking with the plan and you start to see that growth come? Was there a specific poster moment that really incrementally lifted your brand what was was it more of a moment or just kind of like a long chip away that just started to pay itself back or a combination of both it was almost a combination but i think it really was more the long haul because i don't have a huge following but i've built up enough and what i find is that when i do make a post i get a lot of engagement on that because the following that i have is real sincere it's yeah yeah, it's genuine um and you know, when I post on my stories, I get a bunch of people actually like, you know, replying to that. If I, if I pose a question in a story, right, then I will get responses from it because there's actual people there that care, I guess, to some extent versus, you know, this just giant following tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that are just completely passive, you know, at, with, with engagement. So 
there's that. And then I guess a big part of that too was when I started to, because most of my community is photographers, right? That Those are the most people that I'm associating with. There's some that kind of expand out there. I haven't looked at my analytics lately to know if it's where it sways, uh, you know, male or female or even just regionally. But when I started participating in actual photo meets, in-person photo meets, that's when I would start meeting a lot of people. And then that's where you would say, hey, what's your Instagram? What's your Instagram? You know, and you would, everyone would start swapping that. And that was a way to just build that, that in-person community that extended beyond that. And then you would see all of those people that I met at actual meets sharing people that they went to on other meets. And then you'd start following those people. So that's where there, there really was this nice, this, I don't know, this, this humbling connection that would actually happen where the, you know, the idea of like, Hey, you're into photography. I'm into photography. We should be friends. Yeah. And, and that happened. And then the, the most recently where I found the most amount of engagement is when, when you actually utilize the new features, right? The reels on Instagram. If you post a reel, Instagram is going to feed that into the algorithm, right? It's going to feed that to all your viewers and everyone else because they want people looking at reels, right? They want that engagement. So if you use reels and you use these filters, use all the things that they've built for you to use, they reward you. Yeah, I've seen instances where people, you know, they only have like a thousand followers. You'll look at their engagements on regular posts and then you'll see like 300 likes on this post and you go to the reels and it's like, 50,000 people like this because they're really trying to get that exposure and honestly extract people from TikTok. Um, But I'm glad you brought up engagement too because uh, we've seen so many clients that, you know, we're going through old reports they've done or just getting an understanding of what media channels they've run on and they'll run these influencer programs, these these micro-influencer programs and we find out, you know, they paid $5,000 to, you know, this person with 20,000 followers and then we go look at the numbers and like, that person has those followers. They're making some sort of aesthetic to kind of fool you. But did you do any research? Like that has a hundred likes on it and 12 comments. Like that's not the community you want and not how you're going to get money out of it. You know, people were able to build up these followings through insincere ways, or they just had it from the past. They're trying to capitalize on it now, but it's a very easy practice for people to understand true engagement. And it seems like a lot of companies are trying to get away with pawning off just a follower number. Right. And it comes down to, right, authenticity. That's mm-hmm. that's the word, right, is I want people that are, right, representing my product or my brand to actually and genuinely care. And then their audience actually and genuinely cares. So it doesn't feel like a, you know, a sponsored post at all. And it's hard to always to always have that, right? There's There's that balance of, you know, someone who's acting as an influencer and they're doing it because this is what they do, right? Like, hey, I've got a pretty face or I have a skill set or I have some ability and I want to showcase and highlight that. And then, oh, brands will pay me money to do that. That's so funny. I either have a pretty face or a skill set. Like, or a skill set. It's, it's so funny how true set, that so. is. But, it, I mean, it, it's, nuts. It is, it's nuts, right? It's like, which one do you have? Check the box. Oh, pretty face? Cool. You qualify. Yeah. One you spent, you know, 20 years mastering or that just a face? Just a face that people like? Just a, just a face. Literally just a face. I mean, so, so much of the, the TikTok content, and, you know, I don't spend a lot of time on there, but so much of that TikTok content, that's... Or at least that's the feed that I'm receiving is just like, it's just, you're not, you're not doing anything. Like you're, I don't understand why people are paying you. Like you're not doing, like you're copying what everyone else is doing. lip syncing and mimicking what the other people did. And, and, and then it'll give me a suggestion of the exact same thing. And right after I'm like, I just saw this from a different person. Why am I, why would you still be interested in this? There's, there's no real substance, right? It's become such a powerful machine for the music industry now. Like songs that just never hit it you're seeing songs that came out 
I forget what the name of the song is, but I just remember uh, Adam Sandler did I, uh, I Bit His Ear remix to the song, and I forget. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it, like, back in the day. No. He, like, made a Mike Tyson parody song over this song. It must have been from, like, the 80s, and now it's made, like, a top 100 comeback on Billboard because of TikTok again. That's so nuts. But Willow Smith dropped a song three, four years ago. Now, all of a sudden, last summer, back in the top 100 just because of TikTok trend. So, like, I know there were, like, challenges people try to hook on to. I know... Ray Sremer did that um, that challenge on Instagram, or like your, that Black Beatles challenge, where everybody's frozen. Then the uh, beat drops and people start moving. Like I haven't seen that. The music industry has just used these six second, ten second videos to just cling on to people. And just my girlfriend was listening to top one hundred songs from twenty nineteen. I'd say probably about forty of them were just solely like TikTok songs. TikTok songs. It's insane. Well, the one the one that comes to mind when I think of a TikTok song, the the chicken wing song. Um, hot dog and bologna hot dog, or whatever. Yeah, yeah chicken and macaroni <laughs> and it's funny because a, you you look at this guy's playlist on spotify and it's you know in the hundreds of thousands and it's just some dude i'm guessing right just some dude in a room just making beats and they're they're kind of garbage but they're on tiktok everyone uses them on tiktok and then i was playing it and my kids start singing it and i'm like this is kind of also a kid's song like this is really really bizarre that this guy has so many more plays for this nonsense track compared to someone who's creating this this uh, beautiful composition in this uh, amazing piece and then this guy over here who's just making chicken wing beats and garage band is a star yeah and there was um there's almost like a board in my house I'm in my house board like that was they just repeat that over and over again but people are like oh yeah I can make a video of me in my house board and then that just gets streamed so many times that poor Florence in the machine and her angelic voice is getting out streamed by that it's nuts <laughs> I, and and to that point, right, there, there is this sort of like mindless reproduction of content. And it frustrates me because I think to myself, like I was saying, I just saw this. Why do I want to watch it again? Where it can become interesting, though, is when, well, I just saw this. Oh, you did a very different approach than what I would think, right? I'm, I'm, I'm bored at my house. Whatever it is, you took that and you went far left field. Oh, okay. You did something real different. Now I'm interested. Now you got creative versus literally doing the same thing that everyone else did. The one that I've seen most recently is um, this this girl, and I realized that she was not original at all, but basically where she has like a series of hats and sweatshirts where she's popping and spinning her head around. Yeah. And it's basically using all these like quick cut, like um, close to camera transitions. And it's super cool looking, yeah. but what is it? It's nothing. It's just It's just cool visuals. That's literally all it is. And it's like once one person does it, now a thousand people do the same thing. And everyone does it. And it's yeah. and it's why – what about that? Is it just because it's cool? Like what about that is engaging? And this – this you know, I, I started following her very recently and she went from – I don't even know what it was, 50,000 followers to like over 100,000 followers on Instagram in like a day yeah. because her, her video on TikTok just went everywhere. Yeah, and she took that and shared it on Reels and then it just – it just got huge. To my understanding, the biggest like advantage that algorithm has is that it it's supposed to give everyone at least a thousand views on all of their content. So like if you put something out there, it's gonna get in front of a thousand people. It doesn't matter if you have three million followers or one follower. Like it's gonna give every video you have a chance to get something to catch on. And in that thousand, if you get a certain amount of likes, it'll keep pushing it out. But like that's something Instagram would never give you. It was no. until Reels came around. It was always here are your followers. You get your stuff sent to your followers. There wasn't really an opportunity for just Joe Schmo to go viral after a certain extent when so many other people already capitalized on the platform. Cool. So I, I guess we could wrap it up. I mean, it's it's ever evolving and it's interesting. 
but then that kind of falls on us to to see that stuff right have these conversations and then to see when you put out content how well does it do or how well doesn't it do and then just build off of that constantly yeah and this did bring up a good point that i want to come back on here and do another time is kind of how we're going through like all this weird audio stuff i'd love to do a deep dive well it's probably not media just like kids songs like the the affinity like how kids songs just go viral like baby shark like there have always been thoughts in my head it's like could i have just made a career like on nickelodeon like the wiggles like is that just something a lot of people don't tap into and anyone can do it or is Abs- it dude absolutely is it like signing a deal with the devil is that what that is because there's so much money and simplicity i feel like but there's such, there's an art to it like you were talking about there there's is an art to everything there's an art to everything and now i've just plugged steve walter's podcast as Every, i exit everything is art on youtube go ahead and check it out <laughs> the the james dowd uh was was featured on a, uh, one of those episodes for sure i'm guessing you also didn't listen to that I just found out about oh, that. Yeah, yeah. We were what just we're talking about, about when, we were, when you were coming back, I just found out about that one. But it's it's now in my homework assignment for the week. Nice. I'll send you links. I'll yeah. send you my playlist. But I'd love to make this a regular occurrence. I don't want to be like considered a guest. I want to be considered like a, a, a host. Tr- your tripod. Well, yes. Come to the come to the office. See, we're we're here trapped by ourselves. No one else comes, and Dre comes. But I have a running bit that I'm I'm never going to interview Dre. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was a bit. Yeah. yeah. Does he know that bit, or that's like I don't know if he, yeah. I don't just, know. Oh, I don't okay. know. Um, he would make a tremendous guest. Absolutely. But I just I, it went so long that I didn't interview him because he was he's always been so like wrapped up and busy with branding projects. Then it was like, well, I'm just going to make this a bit. And I'm just yeah. never going to interview. <laughs> yeah, just seriously, just, just give me a day. I'll be in here. Like, every day is tough for me now just because I'm almost an hour away. But just put it on my calendar. I'll be here. Yeah. For well, sure. I would co- love that. You know, we uh, we got nice COVID distance, masks. You should come to the office more. It's fun. Yeah. We miss we'll, people. Uh, we'll have to get the analytics on this episode when I get it out to my massive, massive, massive following. That's right. We'll see how it does in Europe, but then let's see if we can yeah. bring it to the U.S., you know? Don't spot check any of what I've said yeah, about well, my Yeah, well, right now, Gabby is the most popular. Her episode is probably twice twice to three times is what most episodes are. Well, we've got the bar, and I'm willing to knock it out of the park. Yeah. If it ain't right. this one, it'll be the next one. I'll be back, boys. Appreciate the time. All right. Absolutely. Likewise. Thank you. Want to wrap us up? Um, yeah, thank you, for everyone, for listening. It sounds like we're going to be doing this on a more regular basis, which I'm excited about. And uh, definitely uh, hit us up if you have any questions. Digitalsurgeons.com. Anywhere else they should go. Follow us on the Instagrams at Digital Surgeons. And, and quite soon, within days, TikTok. That's right. Find us on the TikTok. TikTok. And we're out. That's fun.